Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Alana Vandersloos, certified intuitive eating counselor, founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, and the author of Freedom with Food and Fitness, How Intuitive Eating is the Key to Becoming Your Happiest, Healthiest Self. In today's conversation, we're talking about how tuning into our bodies and stepping away from the scale will lead to the true wellness we all seek. Even if you are on a specific eating plan to support your health, the intuitive eating lifestyle can be incorporated to help you create lifelong wellness. Alana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to just, I'm sure we're only going to scratch the surface, but really excited to learn more and share with listeners about intuitive eating today. But can you share, I know like like all of us, you have your own journey um, that led you into to be an intuitive eating you know expert. So can you share with us a little bit of your journey? Sure. You know, like a lot of people in this space, I came to this work through personal experience. So when I was in my 20s, and this is all chronicled in the beginning of my book, Freedom with Food and Fitness, I got to the end of grad school and I was 22. And it was really the first time in my life that I didn't know what my next step was. I didn't know if I was going to get a job, where I was going to get a job, where I was going to live. And this is what all young adults go through this transition. Um, But for me, it was very difficult because I had a lot of stability growing up. I was very, I excelled at school. You know, I always got A's. I kind of knew the general trajectory of my life. And then after grad school, I felt a little bit untethered and unsure and out of control with my life. And as many do who develop eating disorders is I decided to take control over food and weight and my body because I felt like that was something that I could control, that that was like a safe space for me to uh, to take hold of. And, you know, what started as a quote unquote innocent goal weight became this obsession with what I was putting in my mouth, how much I was eating, when I was eating, how much I was working out. And as I just said, it became an obsession. It, it, It morphed into a series of undiagnosed eating disorders because I was still, uh, you know, and I'm going to use quotes a lot because I, I challenge a lot of these notions, but I was a quote unquote normal weight. And in fact, a lot of people thought that I was very fit and very healthy. And what they didn't realize was the obsession behind it and the mental anguish that I was going through and also the physical anguish I was going through. My nails were getting brittle. My hair was falling out. All of these physical symptoms, ironically, in the pursuit of health, (laughs) 
know, you know, made my health kind of crumble. Um, and you know, I was stuck there for a while because I didn't want to get help. I felt like that meant that there was something wrong with me. Right. Um, and I eventually I found these podcasts, uh, uh, about women talking about intuitive eating and this idea that we as women don't have to constantly be pursuing weight loss or pursuing a smaller body in order to love our bodies and embrace our bodies and feel confident and feel empowered in our food choices. The food choices didn't have to be about eating as little as possible to gain a certain goal weight. It could, it could just be honoring our body when we're hungry, when we're full, when we're, and it was, it like it blew my mind because I, you know, like most of us, we grew up in a household with female figures who were constantly dieting and watching what they were eating. And that's what we did. So it was such a radical notion for me and it felt so liberating and so free. And I, I wanted to be healthy and I've always wanted to be healthy, but I wanted to do it in a way that wasn't going to trigger this obsession anymore and intuitive eating fit the bill. So I, I really dug deep into the literature, into the studies, into podcasts and social media and I adopted this this philosophy, this practice, and it it oddly enough, letting go of the calorie counting and the weighing and the measuring and just listening to my body has made me more healthy and more fit than I ever was when I was sick. Which is amazing and and bravo. And I, that's it's such a it's the key to wellness is listening to our body. Like our body is always giving us information and we tend to tune out and to a point where we just don't even receive the information anymore. So I think whatever healing journey anybody's on, you know, if that, if that's like the one thing they can start with is just tuning in and listening to those messages. Um, let's back it all the way up. <laughs> What is intuitive eating? Yes, great question. So <laughs> intuitive eating, it is a scientifically validated philosophy that is centered upon listening to body cues. So honing into and relearning how to listen to your hunger cues, your fullness cues, and your satisfaction cues. And, you know, those who follow intuitive eating, um, they find that they have better body confidence. They find that their vitals are actually better. Um, their weight is more stable. So all of the things that diet culture promise us can actually come from simply learning how to listen to your body again. And there are 10 principles. And I, you know, there's, you know, honoring your hunger and your fullness, learning how to cope with emotions with kindness, how to incorporate what we call joyful movement consistently into okay. your life. Um, you know, it's all of these different components. And what you said before, Julie, to your point, the key is listening to our bodies, but I think it's the fear. I think it's the fear that we individually are somehow broken, that there's something wrong with us because everything we've experienced with our weight up until this point has kind of proven to us that we can't trust our bodies, but it's, it's simply because we've been trying to follow somebody else's plan for our bodies instead of listening to our own. So our calibrations are a little bit off. Well, and I, I find to that point growing up, um, I was always 
and I I cannot stand this word because of (laughs) my experiences growing up, but I was skinny. I was underweight, but that I, I ate, I ate a lot. People always, you know, were like, do you have an eating disorder? Now I understand. And I know I I was celiac. I had no, I just wasn't absorbing nutrients. (laughs) So, and I wasn't, if you looked at me, I, I didn't look underweight. I was just a skinny kid. And if you looked at my dad, he was a, you know, five foot 11, thin, I mean, my whole family was just a thin family, but I was the one, you know, they used to just, I mean, he, and so I really feel like across the board, even people that have been able, women that have been able to maintain a healthy weight, we all have some kind of issues around body image and and all the things you're talking about, right? And and so I just think it's such an important conversation because I didn't need a milkshake every day. That wasn't helping <laughs> the milkshake with the raw egg. I mean, it was it was yummy, but that was just a whole different, you know. Then I had to break the habit of like, oh, you're supposed to eat a pint of ice cream every day, um, and and so I just really look forward to a time, you know, I think as we learn as, as women, hopefully we can, you know, not do that same damage to the next. My, my daughter calls me out. Like if I say anything that she hear, yeah. And she'll call me out on it. She'll be like, well, that, that's not going to be good for me to hear or see, or, you know, and I'm like, oh, thank you. I don't. So there's still stuff in there. I don't even realize is in there and I'm 54 and, yeah. and, you know, and I don't, I, I've never had an eating disorder. I've, you know, but I still think we just tend to grow up. Like you said, what's modeled for us creates yeah. damage. That's not even talking about, you know, media, social media, all, all those things, but right. even just in our homes, generationally, what's modeled for us. And so what, what I love that I heard, because it's the same I think whatever it is that works for people, it's not, it's, it's always a lifestyle. And so to me, when you're including joyful movement, that's, that means this is part of a lifestyle, this listening to your body. It's really not just about food. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really the whole picture. And that's what I do with my clients. I have uh, a group coaching program called Defy the Diet. And it's not just about healing your relationship with food. It's learning how to manage your thoughts and your emotions. It's about lowering your stress levels. It's about, as you said, the movement component. It's about goal setting. Because as you just said, we all want to be a healthy weight. We all want to be healthy but what does that even mean, right? What is your unique definition of health? And does it align with your values? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause yeah. I mean, any of us could be social media's version of quote unquote healthy. We could be, have the six pack and be super lean and super fit, but to get there, those people who are like do bikini competitions and things like that, the amount of work and obsession and exactness that they have to put themselves through to get to that isn't realistic for most of us. So as you said, we have to find something that keeps us healthy through nutrition and fitness, but also 
is something that is sustainable. Because when people go on things like intermittent fasting or keto, you would have to maintain whatever that diet is for the rest of your life in order to maintain that level of health. So if you're somebody who thinks you can do keto for the next 40, 50 years, great, do keto. But for me personally, I wouldn't be able to maintain that restriction of nutrition uh, long-term without going crazy. Well, and I think that bringing in the intuitive eating and just intuition in general, like I did keto. Keto was a really, I grew up fat deprived. We we grew up in a family that was afraid of fat mm. um, because that was the messaging back then. And so for me, keto was a really important part of my healing journey um, and connecting that to intuitive eating, intuitive lifestyle, I'm no longer, I still try to stay higher fat, lower carb, because that's how I feel better. When I, if I eat too many carbs, I get inflamed, Mm -hmm. but I don't. And I was never, I never, you know, used a ketone meter religiously or did any of that. I I just always listened to my body. Mm -hmm. And there was a point where my doctor was concerned, you know, like, oh my God, your labs are horrible. You have to stop what you're doing. And I'm like, I feel good for the first time in 15 years. So Mm -hmm. I'm not stopping. My labs did correct. Um, But so I I think we, we don't, none of us should eat the same way for decades. Like that's not, it's, it is not sustainable and it's not fun. Like, where's the joy in that? Like, that's not. Because yeah. <laughs> exactly. then you're chained to whatever plan that you're on. And, and I say it, I say it in my book, I say it all the time. Intention is everything. And it sounds like for you, keto was this temporary phase where you were trying to heal the messages that you got as a kid, that fat was bad and to avoid fat. So well, it wasn't that the was messages. The- it was actually my body, like physically, like that. Some of that was driving my autoimmunity. You know, just right. that imbalance and the lack of like good omegas and and the sure. things. Um, but you're right. The intention is is huge with everything we do. Absolutely. And and as you said just now, and as we were kind of saying before we started recording, you have to be like you said. Um, carbs inflame you. Right? right. So we have to be careful as intuitive eaters that we are honoring the uniqueness of our own bodies and our own conditions. So, you know, somebody else who doesn't have celiac disease might be able to have a higher carb, lower fat diet, but that's not for you. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you have yeah. to honor that and you have to choose what foods feel good in your body with that knowledge as well, right? It's, it's, and sure. it's not either or it's, and right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, which is, I think a perfect segue of bringing together because a lot of listeners, you know, either they're, if they're not on a AIP or they're gluten-free or they're, you know, maybe they've done food sensitivity testing and they're avoiding certain foods specifically, you know, for their body as part of their healing journey, so how you know how are how do we marry the two, right? Because I do think um, coaching women that need a lifestyle change, but had a history, have a history of disordered eating, 
I, it's, you have to be really careful. Right. And mm -hmm. so, and I don't, and that's where I like, it's the same thing. Like people think AIP is, you know, this really strict diet and it's not, it's also a lifestyle. It also mm -hmm. includes all of those pillars that you mentioned you work with on your, in your program, right? It's not, food is not, it's like the low hanging fruit. It's mm -hmm. not the answer to wellness. It's a component of wellness, Yes. Um, you and so that better. That, that was, that is <laughs> repeat that. It was great. <laughs> it was good. I'll have to go back and write that down. No, really though. It is. And we do, we start there, right? Like I have so many people, I'm sure you do too, that are like, well, because that's the training we have, right? Just tell me what to eat. And I'm like, that's not going to solve your problem. Yeah. You know, I can, you know, or what do you eat? I'm like, well, that's for my body. Let's, you know, let's, so how, yeah. how do we, shift to, because I think there are a lot of people listening that have some kind of a structured, probably restrictive eating plan, or maybe they've resisted making any of those kinds of changes because they're afraid of that restrictive plan, right? Even if they intuitively know there are things they're eating that maybe aren't serving them. So how do you marry that the two? Like it doesn't have to be either or, does it? No, it's it, it can be and, and it's it's so difficult. I think we really have to. I know I'm a big fan of journaling. I think it really serves us to sit down and really be honest with ourselves in terms of are we with how we eat and how we move our body? Are we chasing diet culture's thin ideal? Or are we chasing true health? Because somebody in a larger body can still be healthy. And maybe that is their ideal weight for their genetics and their body structure. Not everybody is meant to be thin, but a lot of us chase that thinness under the guise of health but then we're doing all of these unhealthy, restrictive, disordered behaviors in order to get there. So I think one of the first steps is to really journal out and be honest with what is your intention with following a certain meal plan, a certain exercise program. And don't shame yourself if you find out that you really are chasing this thin ideal or this diet culture, you know, wellness culture version of health, because it's what we've been taught. As you said before, there's so much messaging that we've, that we've received not only from gen, you know, generations before us, but also now with social media, it's everywhere. It is constant. And we take that messaging after a while and believe it to be objective truth. And it's not. So there are a lot of women that walk around thinking that thinness equals health, that thinness equals confidence, because that's what we're fed. But it's not necessarily the truth. No, <laughs> it's not. It's not at all. So so journaling is, is where you start kind of just yes. going inward a little bit. Yeah, because one of the one of the biggest components of my coaching program is a play on cognitive behavioral therapy. I, I want my clients to realize that their thoughts create their emotions, which drive their actions. So to get down on paper and be really honest with what are your thoughts about health, about co body confidence, about 
exercise about weight. And once you have those thoughts out in front of you, you could start to tease out which of these are actual objective truths and which of these are things that I've been conditioned to believe. Which of these can I challenge and which of these do I want to keep and which of these do I want to get rid of and replace with something that serves me better? I love that. I too, in my coaching, we start with mindset. Yeah. You know, because it, it all comes down to our thoughts and our emotions and our, our judgments. And so it's, it, you know, I used to, in the beginning, like get to that, right. We would start with diet or we'd start with, and now it's like, oh no, we start <laughs> with, you know, what are those stories going on in there and how do we, you know, let's shift to, to what serves you better. Um, Absolutely. So I love that. And I, I, I used to be very, um, I would get frustrated with if people would come in and, you know, they, their driver was to lose weight and they had all these health issues and it used to frustrate me because it was like, no, I would like, we're here to be healthy and the weight will fall off. You know, like you said, you'll find your ideal weight. Like when you're doing the things that serve your body that just happens. And people used to laugh at me, you know, what do you mean my weight will fall off? I've been a yo-yo dieter for 60 years. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're going to shift. Um, and now I, it's like, I'll take whatever your motivation is, but we're still going <laughs> to, we're, we're still going to start with mindset and focus on health and wellness. And the weight is just a byproduct of that. Absolutely. I mean, I was, and I shouldn't have been shocked at this point because I was already an intuitive eater, but I felt like this experience that I'm about to tell you about just kind of reconfirmed the power of intuitive eating when I was pregnant, right? Gained weight, had the baby. I went back to just listening to my hunger, fullness, and satiety cues. I moved my body half an hour a day, but I was consistent. I didn't do any crash diets. I didn't uh, you know, to take out any food groups. I didn't punish myself with the exercise. The weight just fell off. It fell off. I was back to my normal weight within a month, which is insane. Wow. A lot of women are like fight to get the weight off and some, some of them never get it off. And it's because they're not listening to their bodies or trying to do these crazy fad diets that they hear other women did to get the weight off. And they're not listening to themselves. So true. So, so true. And, and I know people looking at you would be like, well, of course, look at you, you know, <laughs> all the but time. I, I, get that. I, know, I know. I know. I, I know people are like, well, you don't understand. And I'm like, I didn't eat this way. I didn't live this way, you know, for the first 40 years of my life, which is, you know, why I was sick to begin with. People think, well, you know, I've never had fast food or never ate junk food or you know, never. And, and they're shocked when they hear like, yeah, I used to do all the things that the average person in America does. Um, and now I listen to my body. I could, couldn't even some of that. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Um, so. And, 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 and to answer that, because I, I'm sure some of your listeners are, if this comes out on video, they're going to look at me and be like, well, yeah, skinny girl. Like, what do you want? Right. And what I say to that is, first of all, Anybody who's coming into listening to this conversation with that mindset still believes that thinness equals happiness and success and health. 
Um, so, so you're, it's, it, they're kind of conflating me being thin with me having everything that I want somehow. Right, right. I have bad and good days, just like anybody else. Life is still 50, 50 for me, just like anybody else. But the other thing that I do want to tell your listeners, if they kind of feel that way is when I was a hundred pounds, which I'm five, four, so that is grossly under what I should ever be. I still hated my body. I still didn't feel like it was enough. And that was the moment that was one of my light bulb moments where I was like, when is it going to be enough? And I have clients that are in thin bodies. I have clients in larger bodies and all of them feel like they're not small enough. And that's because what's really going on when we feel like we need to be in a smaller body is we're looking for what I call salve. We're looking for one of four core needs as humans. So salve is safety, acceptance, love, and validation. Those are the things that we're looking for when we're trying to chase a smaller body. Because again, health doesn't equal thinness. So when you're searching for thinness in particular, what you're really, again, looking for is safety, acceptance, love, and validation, because we're programmed to believe that we're in a, when we're in a thinner body, we will have those things. We'll feel safe in a world that values thinness. We'll, we'll feel accepted in a world that values thinness. We'll have love because every movie TV show we've ever seen, <laughs> the leading lady is thin and pretty and young. Mm. Uh, and we'll be validated. People will be like, oh my gosh, you look so great. What have you done? What diet were you on? Right, right. We want all of those things. <laughs> and it's natural to want all of those things, but chasing a smaller body in order to get those things doesn't serve us in the long run. I love that. And I, I think that's a, it's such a wonderful piece of it. It's like, just pause right here. <laughs> pause, take a breath, drop into your heart and you know, which one or two or three or four of those things right. are driving your, your patterns. Right. Uh, and there's no, there's no shame in it. And, and no. be, again, as I said before, journal it out and be honest with yourself. I mean, I am honest with the fact that I now realize that my search for thinness was I wanted external validation. When I was a kid and growing up, it was getting me a or getting me award or right. being good at extracurricular activities. And I fed on that. I loved that. And then when I felt I didn't have it anymore, dieting and getting a smaller body was my way of getting that external validation. Again, it was, it was filling the void. So, and, and that's, you know, of course that's not something that I wanted for myself. That's not something I I'm proud to admit, but it's the truth. Well, and that's why we have these conversations is because it's going to resonate with people, right? It's not, I used to be so hesitant to share my story because I just wasn't somebody who talked about myself publicly, right? Like who wants to hear my story? And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can help people if I share my story and you're sharing your story because, you know, that's the, um, this is exactly because people need to hear the, the hope is one day these conversations and books like your book are going to kind of drown out the the messaging that people are getting from social and, and on even just regular media. Um, you know, we've got we have to balance it out. And then 
again, it's the same that that generational, you know, anybody who goes through your program or, you know, is piqued by this conversation or reads your book or is hopefully, you know, their daughter or their daughter's daughter <laughs> isn't going to grow up the same way that the past many generations have. Absolutely. And it is generational. Disordered eating is absolutely generational. And I'm happy that I broke the pattern and I have a three-year-old son. So I don't have a daughter, but I feel like it's important for him too, because, and and we won't get too much into this, but you know, men are also getting a message of how they should look. And the, the, the semantics are different. The terms are different, right? They're told to be strong and fit and all of these things, but I also want him to have an idea and an image of what a woman who doesn't focus solely on her body looks like. Right. And how she affects her body, how she feeds her body, how she moves her body. I want him to see that, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a generational thing. And I I love, especially work as a mom. I love working with other moms because I want them to be the change makers in their lineage. I think that's so powerful. It is. It's huge. Look, we know, you know, women drive the family's health, right? Mm-hmm. Yet it, somehow <laughs> we got kind of lost in the mix there. And and so this is, it, it is in that sense. Um, again, it, to me, it, it's just all about empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, not just for your own personal health. So, so how does somebody, you know, like, where do people start? What is, what's a good place to start? Because for so many people, you know, just even tapping into intuition at all, right? Listening to your body, listen, all those things that we've kind of were taught to shut down in school. Like we just really had lost touch with, um, you know, I don't know, at least my experience was it's, it's about logic and it's about, you know, I remember always teaching my daughter, like if the hair on the back of your neck stands up, get out of that situation, right? Like we, we need to be tapping in. We get all these cues. So how does somebody even like get started? The the first principle of intuitive eating is rejecting the diet mentality. So the diet mentality are all of those external messages that we get about worthiness and weight and health and calories and dress sizes and and macros and all of these things. So I would say to comb through any media that you consume and get rid of anything that talks about dieting or weight loss. So go through Instagram, Facebook, all social media, go through any magazine subscriptions and just as you said, use kind of the the gut check, right? If you're scrolling through social media and you see posts that make you feel bad about yourself, that make you feel comparisonitis, just make you feel icky in any way about yourself, mute them, unfollow them, start combing out all of that diet mentality. Because the more we get that message of, of diet mentality in our head, the harder it is for us to break free of that. So I would say that is a good first step. I like that. I like that. That's something that everybody can do. Um, It's funny. Like I could hear listeners objections already (laughs) to like, you know, I I think um, 
especially I would say women in their 60s tends to be like that group that'll come in. Um, I usually try not to mention any like companies or anything, but I'm going, I, I can't tell you how many women have come in and, you know, I've, I'm a lifetime yo-yo dieter and I'm now a lifetime Weight Watchers member. And I'm like, that right. Re- that right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's, that's it right there. <laughs> if it worked, you would need to be a lifetime member. Like, so, you know, let's shift all of that. So I, you know, I can, I, I know like initially there's this knee jerk reaction to like, no, if I'm not on a diet, I'm going to, I don't know, eat till I explode. Like, I'm not sure what they're afraid of is going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's, it's another thing to, to journal out is what, what do you think the worst thing that is going to happen? And once people actually explore that fear, they either realize that it's so improbable or that it's irrational. You're not going to gain weight, gain weight, gain weight, gain weight until you explode. Right. You know, and yes, in an intuitive journey, you might gain weight initially and have it fall back off because your body's trying to recalibrate. Yep. So there is that flux period, but women are so That's okay. It is okay. <laughs> it happened to me. You know, I, I yeah. initially gained weight at first and it was scary because of my conditioning, but I, I knew I couldn't go back to that yo-yo dieting and that cycling, that weight cycle, because that weight cycling is much worse for you than right. being at a stable weight is. That's what the, the study, you can look up the studies, but you know, it's, it's, it's very hard because especially with women, we're never told to trust our own intuition. We're never told right. to trust ourselves. So it's a very scary concept, but if if you stick with it and you have somebody that can hold you accountable, that is an expert that, that can show you that it it gets better and it gets easier. It, it, the whole process becomes easier. That's it's so true. Um, and it is, it's the same, like what I said with, you know, my labs looked ugly as my body was adjusting. And then all of a sudden, you know, issues that I had in my labs my entire life that I thought was genetic, gone, changed, fixed. So uh, I really like, and I have to, this was way earlier in the conversation, but I want to circle around and throw my two, two cents into those images of, you know, the, the, the bikini competitions and the, the, I actually disagree. That's not healthy. That's not healthy for anybody. Mm. And those people have health issues later from doing that to their bodies for, you know, unless it was like a, a brief <laughs> visit into anybody who's, who's, who's living that way for an extended period of time is going to have health consequences later. I see it all the time, uh, you know, they're, especially when they get to an age where they're starting to have a family or wanting to have a family and lo and behold, they can't because mm-hmm. they did never allowed their body to even have, you know, hormone cycles. And, and so, you know, what we think have been told is pretty and should be healthy or, you know, it, it, it's just not healthy. 
No, it's not that chapter eight. I go over the dangers of the perfect body and oh, I, I love it about the, the bikini competitors and how, yes, we could all have that dream body that we want, but at what cost? And it basically costs the rest of your life. So it really is a lesson. What do you value right. in your life for sure? And yet to your point about, you know, trying to conceive if, if your body's not getting enough nutrients it will delegate that energy and those nutrients to your most vital bodily symptoms, your circulatory system, your respiratory system, your heart, lungs, kidneys, it, it, you know, your, your reproductive system is more of a secondary system. It, you don't need it to survive. So your body will shut that off. Oh yeah. I mean, which is one of the reasons, you know, when we talk about stress management, right, we all live in this chronic stress state which does shut down things like digestion, fertility, you know, you don't have to be able to conceive if you don't outrun the tiger, right? Like that's just the way our bodies are designed, right? It doesn't matter if you digest lunch or can conceive if, you know, the tiger gets you. Unfortunately, we live in that state all the time, unless we're taking steps to, to balance that out. Um, so it is, it, it, and, and, depleting your body or taxing your body that way. That's a, that is chronic stress at a whole nother level. I mean, the stress can be literally physical too. So, um, you know, just changing that conversation around what is healthy, like what actually is healthy and pretty. I mean, go to a museum and look at artwork from centuries ago and figure. look at what the women look like right? Like that's what was appreciated as beauty. Like we, we've come, like we're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I would say somewhere in the middle (laughs) would probably be, you know, ideal or depending on who you are, where you land, right? Like I should never have been trying to, you know, artificially pack on weight. You know, then what happened was, I went gluten-free, you know, at the same time that my Hashimoto's was in full swing and my rheumatoid arthritis was, uh, you know, off the, and all of a sudden I was, I was absorbing nutrients and it was like a whole different game because then I was like, well, who am I? I don't, you know, I don't know this person. So that it was just fun. But as I got healthy, I came back to just, you know, settled in uh, at like, this is kind of my weight. And I would say we all have, especially women, a little bit of a fluctuation. Like there is no one number that's ideal for anybody. Do you agree? Like that we should have this like range of here. I feel best when I'm in this range. Yes. There's, there's something called, um, weight set point theory. So weight set point is a range where our, each individual body feels best, you know, it, it, most optimal, most, you know, most vitality, most energy, and everybody's is different. It's largely genetically determined, but unfortunately, the more that we diet, the more, the, the more of a chance that your weight set point actually increases. <gasps> Say that again. So the more that we diet, chronic dieting can actually increase your weight set point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem, right? Like that's the, you know, that's that yo-yo of, yeah. and, and why ten, people tend to bounce higher each 
I mean, right. not each go round, but over time. Over time, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that weight cycling, that up and down, that that puts so much stress on your body, so much inflammation. Uh, it increases your risks of diabetes and heart disease and str- like all of this stuff. It's really scary, but you know, diet, you know, diet programs don't tell you about that part, of right. course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, walk us through a little bit. Tell me, tell us a little more about the book. Great. So yeah, the book is called Freedom with Food and Fitness. Uh, it, it's a super easy read, super quick read. Um, it really helps you to love your body at any size, create sustainable nutrition and fitness goals. It, it really explains the science behind how diets disconnect us from our body and how to really change your mindset around food and fitness. And what what I really love about the book is that you know, there is an intuitive eating book by the founders of intuitive eating. I felt like it was more philosophy, like the conversation was more about philosophy. It was a little more of an esoteric conversation. And I wanted to write a book for women that was really grounded in practicality, like really Mm -hmm. actionable tips that you could implement the day you read the book um, for, for things that we all think about with our busy schedules, like how can we meal prep as an intuitive eater? How can we as women get more protein in without, you know, feeling like we have to choke down egg whites all day long? Like how do we, how do we get this stuff done? How do we fit in time for consistent exercise when we're, you know, so busy, right? It's busy, busy culture. So how do we do all those things? So there's dozens and dozens of tips and tricks in the book that make it really simple to start coming home to trusting your body without having to, you know, rely on a diet to make you healthy. Amazing. Uh, so, and it is, I, I love the, cause was it 1995 that the, they coined the intuitive eating? And, yeah, it's 95, 97, somewhere, somewhere in that. Yeah. Okay. That okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it, it's, I feel like you're starting to hear about it more now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet it's been around for a while. <laughs> like I, know, I think was- social media, I think social media, I think that it, it really allowed for the body liberation movement to mobilize together all across the globe and, and build up this voice. This is like, we as women don't have to cater to your thin ideal. We don't have to distract ourselves by dieting, instead of dieting, we're going to do some other cool stuff with our lives. Oh my gosh, the energy resources, just even the mental energy resources that are freed up when people oh, aren't thinking that way is is amazing. If there's anybody out there listening who's part of a corporation or an organization where you want someone to speak about that, I love speaking to groups of women about that, about the time, money, and energy that we waste on diets and how we can reclaim that back to, you know, do whatever we want in our life, whatever your dream is, whether it's being an entrepreneur or being the best mom that you can or whatever it is. So I, there, yeah, it's, it, the conversation is much bigger than weight and food. It's, it's, oh yeah, we can go into patriarchy, we can go into all of those things, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's so interesting. It is. It really is. And it's, you know, we didn't, we didn't get here overnight. And, and so hopefully between, you know, the book, your, the programs, like you said, the just, um, 
the spread of knowledge on on social media, these conversations, hopefully we're going to start to to shift it back. Hopefully. Yeah. I love it. I know you already gave us a lot of places people can start, but this is your opportunity. You can circle back. You can add something different. What is one step that listeners can take starting today to improve their health? Okay. Well, we already said reject the diet mentality. We already said journal out what you consider health to be, but the the thing that people can do today, get rid of the scale. Ah. Smash <laughs> it, donate it, throw it, whatever you got to do. Reliance on that number will keep you stuck in trying to manipulate that number instead of listening to what your body actually needs. I haven't weighed myself in years when I go to the doctor and they ask me to get some, I say, no, thank you. I don't want to know. I want to just tap into how I feel and what I need. Some days I eat more, some days I eat less and I'm just going to honor that. And I feel better doing that. So get rid of the scale, ladies, just dump it. Love it. Ah, such good advice. And so many people are probably thinking, some people are celebrating like, yeah, you know, I can toss my scale. And other people are like, no way I could not <laughs> ever. This girl's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Just try it. And, and if you're not ready to get rid of it, like lock it away or give it to your next door neighbor to hold or something. Well, that's the thing I did at first is I put it in my basement and there I just I make a promise with yourself, say one week, I'm going to do this for one week. And if I hate it and it doesn't work for me, I can always go back to the, you know, torture of dieting that worked, you know, that, that felt safer to me, but give yourself a week and just see what happens. Love it. Ah, such good advice. So before we wrap up, for people listening on the go, which is how I listen to podcasts. Um, if they're not going to, I'm not great always checking show notes. <laughs> Where's the best place to find you if people are like, hey, this is really resonating. I want to know more. Yes. And if they, I, I want to hear from everybody who took a nugget away from this, feels inspired by this. I'm at Freedom with Food and Fitness on Instagram, at Freedom with Food and Fitness on Facebook. Freedom with food and fitness.com. The book is called Freedom with Food and Fitness. If you want to pick up a copy of the book, it's at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org, wherever you get your books. Uh, I would love to hear from everybody. I'm mostly on Instagram. So Freedom with Food and Fitness, DM me. Let's have a conversation. I have, as, as we talked about before, I have a program, an intuitive eating coaching program. It's virtual. So anybody out there who, who felt inspired, wants more support, come find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alana. You've shared amazing gold with us today. Of course. Thank you, Julie. For everyone listening, remember you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. Hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast.
helping you take your power back.